Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert today, here with my most non-dysmorphic co-host, Dr. Millicent Ravello. Dr. Ravello, how are you doing okay today? Are you non-dysmorphic? Are you I would say that somewhat? I'm like mildly dysmorphic <laughs> on the best of days. I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. I knew that was coming. And like a little more on the worst of days. Because <laughs> I mean, who's, who's not, right? Well, it's true. I mean, we all look at stuff, we're like, Ugh. It's, yeah. and no matter like how we look, we all are critical of, of, ourselves. Our, of ourselves. We right. we are some less than others. Yes, but to be fair, a certain amount of dysmorphia is normal. But the kind that we are talking about today is the abnormal, pathologic kind—the kind that actually has a formal psychiatric label: body dysmorphic disorder. Correct. In the uh, psychiatric world, this is a known disorder and it causes people a lot of problems. Right. Because what they see when they look in the mirror and the image that gets translated to their brain is not at all what the rest of the world is actually seeing. So they see the tiniest areas of deformities or no deformity. And in their mind, it is the biggest, most ugliest, worst possible thing that could ever happen to them. And the rest of us are left going, huh? Yeah. And just, you know, this happens where and this is what tips me off to the diagnosis that I clearly missed. It's after surgery and you're standing there with a patient who has a great result with whatever. And there's me and the nurse and my scribe and the fellow and the patient's pointing to stuff that isn't right in their brain. And we're all going like, um, oh, what are you talking <laughs> You look great. Have you seen you? Because you look amazing. This is a great result. And they're like, what do they, what do they pay you guys to say that? Well, no. We, we want you to be happy with your result. And clearly, the result that you have is not only acceptable, but it's good. And yet, you're seeing something that makes you anxious and cringe and angry. And it's not there. It's not there. And unfortunately, typically, that is when we find out that a patient has body dysmorphic disorder. It's after we've operated and all of these problems and the tears and the questions and the concerns and the anger come up and you go, oh, okay, I see what's happening here. Ideally, we'd pick it up before. And it's hard to. It's hard because I would say a fair amount of our patients are on this spectrum that most of us are on. You know, some patients come in to the plastic surgeon with an obvious deformity that we can fix and everybody sees it and it's like, yes, that's appropriate. But there's also a fair amount of patients that come in looking great already. They just want to look better. So maybe their friends or other people in the public would be like, I can't believe she's getting plastic surgery. She already looks so good. What's wrong with her? But to that patient and to the plastic surgeon, we say, Yes, you look great, but we can make it better. We can give you bigger breasts. We can give you smaller breasts. We can do a little bit of lipo here. So there are variations of like kind of what's acceptable on the body dysmorphic scale. But we're really talking about the ones that come in with red flag warnings where, <laughs> yes, like I just said, a lot of times we miss them. But if you pick them up ahead of time, it's the patient that is perseverating over a very minor defect or a very minor uh, flaw or problem with a previous 
plastic surgery. Or they come in and say that they've seen five other plastic surgeons who haven't wanted to help them. That yep. is a huge red flag. Red That flag. is like... Put the brakes on. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> My like hecklers are going up. <laughs> you know, it's 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 really hard. It it's just really hard to pick it up before because typically, you know, you want to. We're empath. We're we're empaths. Right. We are empathetic. We, we want to help. To help. Yeah, and that's this, what we. That's do. what we do. And when patients complain and they're pointing at stuff, you kind of want to help. Right. The problem is when there is something you can do. That's right. When you're pointing at something, and maybe it's small, but you're like, yeah, I could make that better. And that's where the pitfall comes in. Because you're trying to help. And you're like, yeah, I, I see what you're seeing. And yeah, we can make that a little bit better. And then little do you know, you've just put yourself in this rabbit hole of like, oh, no. Ugh. Never, never, never going to be happy. Because that's the problem. The plastic surgery does not fix the underlying problem which is a psychiatric diagnosis that's right then and you shouldn't be having surgery when what you need is to see a psychiatrist or a psychologist who can help with your body dysmorphia and you know it's tough because all the things that we've already mentioned but you know we really think that we can make it better Yes, that is that is that is really that is really the problem. Because very rarely is that the classic, you know, open and shut case where like some skinny BMI of nineteen person comes in and says, "I want you know liposuction here," and you look and you say, "What are you talking about?" Or like they point to a perfect nose and they say they want like those cases are very rare. Right, the clear cut, the clear cut BDD idea, where is there is not-, not a thing wrong with you and you are making it up. Usually, it's there's a little something that the average person would look at and be okay with seeing, yeah. but it it could be better, and right. that's the trap, right? And maybe it's part of partly our arrogance that yeah. says, you know, well, we they just haven't had surgery by me. That's the whole thing. <laughs> if they had had me do the first operation, they'd be great. But you know, they wouldn't be because they still have BDD, yeah. and so that that's where it is. And and yeah, I mean. And I'll, I will mention this not because I want this person to take down the review, but like one of my one star reviews, the patient posted the photographs and the, the result was so spectacular <laughs> that it actually brought patients in <laughs> and and people read this scathing one star review and and they the patient put post their photos and they're just like. If that's a total disaster and destroying somebody's life to look like that, sign, sign me, me up. up. I'm in. Destroy my life with that nose because that is amazing. The patient did have a one millimeter discrepancy from one nostril to the other, which, by the way, most people do. And so that's the problem is that if you're going to perseverate on something like that, that's not normal. That is not normal. Right. You know, I'll reference the nostrils. <laughs> <laughs> the nostrils right. podcast. It's not normal because you you don't like my nostrils are so different and so wrong and you know rugby was not kind to this nose, but it's fine. You know maybe people think like dude you need surgery which I get it, and that's fine. Maybe I have BDD in reverse. Like uh, no dude you need a nose job. But but for me it's fine, and for the average Joe and the average Jane, 
some nostril asymmetry is totally acceptable. And it's acceptable. And it's having, so you can have plastic surgery. And I guarantee you, no matter who your surgeon is and how fantastic your result is, it's not going to be 100% perfect. Ever. There is going to be a little something that could be revised, that could be addressed, that could make it better. The average person will look at their results and be like, it's great. I love it. I see that imperfection. Doesn't bother me. I'm ecstatic. Right. The BDD patient will see that tiny, tiny, tiny imperfection and perseverate on it and go down a rabbit hole and they will cry for days about it and they will get mad and they will get angry and they will say things like, it's ruining my life. Oh, yeah. And oh, I've that, had, I can't, I can't get any jobs as an actress. Uh, you know, it's destroyed my self-esteem and my, and it's like your nose is so much better and right. so much more fitting for your face. But they, they can't but get past that one little thing. But the problem yeah. becomes when they try and act on that one little thing that's not exactly perfect in their result. And so they have another surgery. And then they have another surgery. And by the time they continue, they've messed up what was a really good result. And now they may have a potential disaster on their hands. And that is one of the problems of the BDD patient is that they can actually end up with really bad surgical problems. No doubt. And that, especially in revision rhinoplasty, it's like, oh my God, like you you don't want to take something that's really good. And th- this is what I say to patients. I go, look, if you can live with this nose that you have right now that you know was done elsewhere, then, then do that. Don't do a revision because a revision rhinoplasty carries with it real risk. Oh, yeah. You get an infection, the wheels come off. Like that, the, there are things that can happen that can take you from, you know, I have a pretty decent result to like now I need a forehead flap very fast. Right. So you only have that revision rhinoplasty if you can't live with the result that you have. And if four or five other people are standing around, you're going like, your result's fine, don't do it, then don't do it. You, the only people who should get revisions who are people who are going to really benefit and are going to be happy that they did it. Right. The BDD patient is not going to be happy. No. You could fix any minor imperfection and they're still, still unhappy. Happy. And, and I'm sure, you know, that, you know, my... The the patients that I've had to discharge from the practice, which is never a fun thing, and and never you know goes over well, and usually results in a one star <laughs> Yelp review, which is fine. But you know because that that's the way that it is. I'm not going to take somebody to surgery and hurt them because of their psychiatric problem. I'm just not like, and I know other guys will. They'll be like, oh, we'll just do a little. The I've yeah. heard it. Yeah, it, well, it's easy to do. You you just you want to make them feel better. Yeah, and it's easier than, than fighting the good fight. Yeah. You know, because it's, it it's hard. It's really, it, that sounds really lame coming from a plastic surgeon. It's really hard to say no to a patient, but it is really hard. It is. It is because they came to you for something. They want you to do something and or they we, wouldn't that's be there. in our nature. Or that's like, what we do. Yes, I can. And so to say no and to upset them is actually hard. It yeah. is. And I, I take a beating over it. Yeah. And what? and to be, and and they don't want to hear that nope. that maybe they have BDD. Maybe they've heard that before. Maybe they haven't. Maybe they have no idea. Regardless, they don't want to be told that because nope. nobody wants to be told that. And that and that's hard to tell someone. That's really hard to say that 
maybe you should get a therapist. Maybe you should get some help. That's a really, really hard conversation to say. And it's probably just easier to operate. Yeah. And that's the problem is that, you know, it's like telling somebody who's having massive anxiety to relax. <laughs> Just relax, no, just man. Relax. Just relax. It's gonna be chill. fun. <laughs> you know, it's like you can't relax. Then and yeah. somebody telling you to relax when you're in that state is not helpful. Not helpful. And so that's why you know ultimately I've had to discharge some patients from the practice because they they were basically like you know saying you either operate or I'm going to hurt you. You know I'm going to hurt your practice. I'm going to hurt your reputation. I'm going to I'm going to and I kind of said well you're going to have to do that because I'm not operating. And yeah. that's reality. And yeah. That's the reality of doing what I do. I mean, I do revision rhinoplasty. I mean, I asked for it. So, <laughs> you know, is it good that I do that? Yeah, because I help a ton of patients. And the ones that I don't help, you know, I'd rather take the one star review and the, the angry phone calls and, you know, you know, they haven't thrown you know, eggs at me yet, but, you know, like I'm sure <laughs> that's coming. It, I, I'd rather do that than operate because then it's like that now you've done something worse. You know, you've right. done surgery when you really should have just sat on your hands and said, I'm sorry, we're done here. Yeah. And, you know, they, this is what BDD is. And that's why it was important to do this podcast because when you're dealing with BDD, you don't need surgery. You need psychiatric intervention of some kind. That is true. And uh, it's hard. We see, we definitely see our fair share of it, probably more of a skewed amount than anybody else does because of the line of work that we're in. But it's, uh, sometimes it sneaks up on you. Sometimes it's obvious, but it's hard. You know, it's hard for us and it's hard for them. Yeah. It's really hard for the patients because in their defense, they really see it. Their brain is literally telling them that this is catastrophic yeah and that that's the hard part because you're you're there knowing that they see it you know i just i just had a patient with this i mean she was standing in front of us you know showing you know this beautiful mastopexy augmentation amazing lipo like right and and my scribe is in the room my fellows in the room there's a nurse in the room and we're all looking at her and we're like, you look amazing. And everything that she's complaining about are the routine results <laughs> and the routine sequela of having plastic surgery. But this is swollen here and this is the... Oh, I was like, yes, oh you're yes, making me like because, cringe. I know that room. The feeling in that room is yeah, just it's so hard. And, it's, hard. and their brain isn't working right. You yeah. know, it's just that it's not, it's not that, yeah. that they don't see it as a problem. It is a problem for them, but yeah. it's all like it's literally. I, in their I said head. if I yeah. lined up a hundred plastic surgeons to walk in here and talk to you about this, they'd all say the same thing. Yes, routine results from plastic surgery. That's what it looks like. Yeah, you know, and 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 that's what that's what it is. That's it, the deal. That's how this yeah. works. It's like I mean, what did you? And, and I remember because she's looking at the scars on her breast and going, "Oh, these anchor scars." Da da da. I remember drawing them on the consent form. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting there where they're going like, you are going to have an incision around your areola, one down in front, and then the scar underneath in the inframammary fold, and drew it on the consent. And and she goes, if I knew I was going to have these scars, how could I even have this procedure? I go, you did know. <laughs> not only did we go over it in the pre-op, not only did we talk about it, I drew it on the consent form and showed it to her. And she was just like, well, that doesn't mean anything. I, I'm I'm upset. And it's like, I know you're upset. <sighs> I know it. That hurts. Yeah, it's real because what that do you do? Hard. 
you know, like, well, what can you do there? You know, you know at that point, you, you might as well be arguing that, you know, the, the sun is blue. Right. Right. It's not yellow. By the at way, all. you look amazing. And if I hadn't done those scars, you would look way less amazing. <laughs> just, so I'm not sure what we're arguing about here. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, oh. and that's why I'm just like, you know what? This, this really has to go a different direction because there's nothing I can do. Yeah. At that point, I, I, I'm a surgeon. I'm not a, I'm not a psychiatrist. It, it, yeah. I mean, we kind of have to be able to recognize that, but I, but I missed it. You know, and I missed it pre op. And, uh, you know, I have some questions I ask people, but I, I always say, you know, are you going to be okay with these scars? Yes, I am. Yes, I'm going to be. Oh, oh, totally, doctor. That'll be great. That'll be fine. You know, and that's why I documented it as such because afterwards, when the BDD kicks in, it's like, oh, I never agreed to this. It's like, well, you, you did, though. Like, here, here it is. Like, you really did agree to it. You know, and there's, you know, my, my scribe going, yeah, you kind of did. did. Like, I wrote it down, <laughs> like, on your pre op visits. By the way, just another little tidbit. Mm. Three separate visits before booking surgery. Mm-hmm. The, the biggest of red flags and documented as such in a Duke University study. So if they takes them three visits to you to discuss the operation that they oh. want, don't, don't bother. They're not going to oh. be happy. You mm. know, not including the pre-op. Like three like investigational like... What if we did it this way? Yeah. What if we had it? Done? Do you think that if we did it like in, you know, where the, that is so true? I'm like three. going through my head. I'm yep. like, oh, yep. Mm-hmm. So yep. three preoperative visits. And, and for you patients out there, same thing. If it takes you three times to go in, don't have surgery. Yeah. It's not for you. Yeah. Like this should be a, like a one, maybe a second little, okay. Maybe I'm ready a second one. And then you're preop. Right. Once you hit that third one, it, it means that this isn't for you. Either you don't trust your surgeon. Right. You don't really want to do Punt. it. Something's a problem. Right. Yeah. So punt and get out of your own way because that's not how plastic surgery should work. It should be, okay, came in. I met Dr. Ravello. She's lovely. She's going to do a great job. Lots of before and afters. Been in practice for lots of years. She's great. I'm signing up. Oh, maybe I have one other question. Do you think we could do it this yeah. way? No, we're not going to do it that way. But okay, great. Then the pre-op visit and go. That's acceptable. Three visits to figure it out. No, yeah. we should have something like on our EMR, like for our office staff. <laughs> like if when they've come to book their third consult, like this big red glaring X should pop up yeah, and like just, horns should go off. Like, I mean, doesn't it make sense though? Like how, like if you want to, like when I want to get like my dental implant, I don't go into Doug Gale and say like, hey, Doug, you know, how about this thing? Mm, I don't know. I'm going to have to come back and talk to you. No, I'm like, I don't have a tooth. <laughs> <laughs> I left it on the rugby field. So I was, and so <laughs> I've been this? doing some research, um, and I was wondering: is it is it possible that maybe we could just put it in upside down? Because I'm worried that if we put it in right side up, there's going to be a reaction to it. Because I read about this other patient on Facebook who told me that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> He'd be like, "Goodbye." <laughs> I mean, that's the truth. Like, I I went in and talked to him, and I said, "I need this done." He goes, "Great. This is how we do it." Da, 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 da. What kind of, you know, this, you know, I went to, you know, Marashi to find out what kind of tooth. He's like, this is the color we're going to use. I'm like, great. And uh, 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 do it, do it, do it, do it. It shouldn't be like, ooh, I don't know. Like, does Doug really know what he's doing? You know, Doug Galen is a world expert dental implant guy. Like, I don't have to ask those questions. Yeah. You know, and so that's where when you see patients that are doing that sort of multiple you know, multiples of multiples going through it. It's like, oh, you know what? This isn't a this good idea. This is not going to work. Yeah, don't yeah. do it. You're not going to be happy. You know, wait, get some more information. Yeah, I like this. I like else. this. This may simplify my life. Yeah, I bet it will. Mm-hmm. 
And that that was. A, I have one coming up, and now I'm like, hmm. <laughs> I mean, I had to reconsider that third, one. Third visit right yeah. there. Yeah. Just, I, and Duke showed it that no matter what, those patients are 100% Not never happy. happy. Never. Like, never. no matter what, no matter what you do, no matter what you revise, they aren't happy. And it's, it's a three evaluation visit rule. So. Well, there you have it, folks. You only get three visits. <laughs> no, and no, then you get you two. Are, you get Once two. You get the third one. You're out. That red, that come, red like, X is <laughs> on your chart. Right. You'll have to walk down the hall. I know somebody who. Help you out down that way. I, I don't, you know, really, it's just like, it does make sense though. Totally. So that, that may be an indicator of BDD. You I know? like that. I like that rule. I don't know if that's, you know, like I'm saying that maybe that's, but that, that study was really clear about it. So right. like, and that's why, you know, again, this podcast is really important because people can get the information that they need so that they know how to do research. They know the questions to ask because yeah. we're trying to make it easier for people to get great results. And you know, if you hit if you hit snares and you hit walls, don't ignore it. No, and I don't know that the, 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 if you need three visits, it means you have BDD, but it means that there is some underlying anxiety or other issues going on. That um, surgery is probably not a good idea. Probably not the best thing for you right now. And you're not going to be happy. And you're, yeah. That and and that has been the case with me too. Those three visits, and, and I and I have patients where I look back and I was like, "That is so it," you know. And, I, and first visit, oh yeah, it's great. And then come back, oh yeah, it's gonna be great. One more visit, oh yeah, it's gonna be great. Okay, I'm ready to have surgery. It's like, mm, you know, why did it take three rounds of the same discussion? Like, what what's going on then? Right. You know, because I'm the same guy that met him the first time. Yeah, I said the same things. You know. Yeah, as a surgeon, like, you, you know, just for the, the general public, like, you know, as a surgeon, your your goal is to really get people the best results possible and to be, you know, to be as transparent, forthcoming with as much information as you possibly can so that the patients can make a good choice for themselves. But we also have to make a good choice for you in terms of what can and cannot be done. And reality is very different than, you know, like what is written on the Internet and television shows and th- like reality is is what goes on in the office with us and our patients. Right. That's where the, that's where the rubber meets the road. And you got to listen to that and you got to be, you got to be clear at where you're trying to get to so that you can make a great roadmap and get a great result. Agreed. And get some help if you have other issues going on. hundred percent. Well, I think that's it. That's our dysmorphia podcast, which I think is a very important one. And this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. If you like what you heard on the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast and want to get in touch with either Dr. Ravello or myself, this is how to do it. You can reach me at the website, ravelloplasticsurgery.com. You can reach out to the office directly through the website with any questions or consult requests, or you can call the office directly at 310-954-1355. And you can reach me on Instagram at Ravello Plastic Surgery. And to reach me, the phone number is 310-777-8800. My website is drcalvert.com, drcalvert.com. Instagram, Dr. J. Calvert. And of course, you may want to check out our YouTube channel for the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast, which is simply that, Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. Hope to see you all in the office very soon. Bye.